Hi, my name is Elliot, also known as Hillstore or Mr. Hillstore on this wonderful place called the internet. Today I shall be talking about objectivism. Now, basically, when I started first looking into politics, I uh, ended up leaning very libertarian rather quickly, and... Um, uh, over the last, uh, over the the first year of really getting into politics, I um, started to feel something was missing from what I was thinking. So I was looking into everything uh, in terms of politics, but I was never really giving any concrete answers further than this is what I believe should be right. So I started looking into philosophy, and uh, not a lot of it really stuck with me at all until I came across objectivism, and objectivism uh, really changed. Uh, how I view the world, as well as just influencing my um, political outlook. And to be honest, since I've got to objectivism, I've really cared less about politics in general. I haven't really been looking into the news a lot. I haven't been really keeping up with uh, the drama between different uh, political figures. I've just been letting things... Uh, sort of like happen and not really trying to participate in everything so much uh, and sort of focused on what I want to do with my own life and uh, I'm going to do a two-part series this will be the first part and this is going to be looking at uh, the objectivism for uh, you personally how objectivism brings you uh, how it can bring you self-fulfillment instead of just all, all the politics stuff as uh, there's a lot more to life than just politics so let's get into it basically what I'm going to be doing this video has been looking primarily at the ethics but I have to go through a few steps beforehand to be able to concretely say why I'm saying these things ethically so uh, in terms of philosophy we've got a few main pillars. The first one is metaphysics. Now, in terms of uh, objectivism, we believe metaphysically that uh, the only thing that exists is reality, with uh, metaphysics being the study of existence and the nature of the universe, and the nature of the, and the existence of the universe is what we can see, what we can sense, and what we can discover through our reason. So, in terms of uh, uh, metaphysics, a is A. Facts are facts. You can't, you could, you could ignore reality, but you cannot avoid the consequences of uh, avoiding the reality of a particular situation. Uh, I got a quote here from uh, Francis Bacon that says, uh, nature, to be commanded, must be obeyed, which is a, a very good saying. And in terms of uh, metaphysics and having it reality, we reject faith, we reject uh, any mysticism, we reject all forms of the supernatural. So the second pillar of this is epistemology, and epistemologically we believe in reason. Now, uh, if you don't know what epistemology is, it's the the study of knowledge. So we ask uh, a few questions: uh, what is considered to be true, and what faculties do we use to discern the truth? And the first one is reason. We consider everything you can gain through your ability to reason to be the truth. And uh, to answer the second question: um, what faculties we use to discern the truth is man's ability to reason. That's all there is to truth, and it, 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 both of these epistemology and metaphysics link uh, because we talk about how um, the only thing uh, uh, to be true metaphysically is reality, and the way that we find reality is through reason. So reason is absolute. Face the facts no matter how unpleasant, and it goes back to in the metaphysics uh, of uh, facts being facts. Uh, you can uh, avoid uh, or uh, ignore the reality, but you cannot uh, avoid the consequences of reality. And the way we use uh, reason in uh, objectivism is uh, how to form and apply principles that will better guide your life. And uh, with all this reason, like I said before, uh, we reject uh, faith, feelings, and authoritarianism as guides to life. 
and they'll become a bit more clear when we start going into the ethics uh, that uh, oppose objectivism. So next is ethics, and uh, for ethics we believe in self-interest or egoism. So uh, ethics being the study of values, and we ask, why does man need morality, or to what end? And number two being, who is the beneficiary of morality? And uh, the answer to the first question is uh, to be happy, and happiness is an end to itself. Uh, And the second is uh, uh, who is the beneficiary, and the beneficiary of morality is the man who holds those values. So when we talk about happiness, we're not talking about the kind of happiness you gain through satisfying a momentary urge. Uh, One of the um, great examples that are always being given by objectivism is that it's not the kind of happiness that you get from snorting a line of cocaine. It's the happiness that makes life worth living. And... uh, we, we believe in all of this is because uh, it's what we must do to be able to sustain our lives and have a life which is worth living. So a great quote from Ayn Rand, I believe it was from uh, The Virtue of Selfishness, is man has no automatic code of survival. His senses do not tell him automatically what is good for him or evil, what will benefit his life or endanger it, what goals he should pursue and what means will achieve them what values his life depends on, what course of action it requires. And that is why we use our reason to discern our goals and our means to those ends. So we're going to continue with the ethics of rational self-interest here. Uh, And uh, I first put the self-interest isn't automatic and it isn't easy. It takes a lot of uh, thinking, it takes a lot of process to figure out what you wish to pursue in life, what your goals and what the means to those ends that are going to make it uh, best for you to be able to achieve those goals. Like you might say, oh, I want to be rich and famous. Well, that isn't really an end to itself. What you're going to be, uh, you need to do something for other people to be able to be rich and you're going to want to, you know, probably be famous for something that is good, but that isn't really an end to itself. You've got a whole lot of, uh, processes to be able to go through and it's not having that isn't an end at all and uh second i'll put here egoism requires a self and uh what i mean by self is by defining uh your values defining your means what i said before your the, the the goal at the end and the means to those ends and what isn't egoism? I get I, I get this a lot when uh, people talk about, oh, having this outlook just means this and it means that, and it doesn't. So what isn't egoism? Egoism isn't hedonism. It isn't the pursuit of automatic pleasure. I said about how uh, when we talk about happiness, we're not talking about uh, the c- kind of happiness, the momentary happiness that you get from snorting a line of cocaine. It's... Um, the happiness, uh, like I said before, that makes life worth living. It isn't materialism. It isn't placing material goods over spiritual values, because if you just have material goods and you do not feel uh, a sense of spiritual pleasure, when we say spiritual, we mean mental, we mean uh, sort of the mental health of an individual. If if you have material goods, but you do not have that, you're, you're not going to be happy. And it's not emotionalism, it's not that emotion holds truth about reality, because it doesn't. It says something about you and what you value and what you wish to pursue, but that's it. It, it doesn't uh, take over facts, it doesn't override facts, and they're not, they're not going to be at conflict with each other as long as you're rational about uh, all the decisions you wish to make. And one last one that egoism isn't, and it isn't about exploiting others. In a bit, I'm going to be talking about altruism, which is uh, what is that conflict usually with egoism, but it's not the exact opposite. So uh, people say, if altruism is about sacrificing myself to others, does that mean egoism is about sacrificing others to me? 
No. Sacrificing requires a trade of a larger value for a smaller non-value. Life isn't a zero-sum game, unlike people like Trump will say about China, that China is stealing your jobs and everything like that. It's, it's not a zero-sum game life, and people consume, pursue values independently from each other. So altruism requires sacrifice for others, whereas egoism is doing for yourself. So there's a lot of things dependent on what you value that you'll have to do in life, but uh, there are a couple of things of which are vital pretty much to everyone's life that uh, that have been outlined in The Seven Virtues of Rational Egoism. Uh, number one is rationality, man's basic means of survival and the applications of metaphysics of reality and the epistemology of reason. Now, uh, to best explain it, I'd give you a quote from uh, the, the woman of own Rand. Rationality is man's basic virtue, the source of all his other virtues. Man's basic vice, the source of all his evils, is the act of unfocusing his mind, the suspension of his consciousness, which is not blindness but the refusal to see, not ignorance but the refusal to know. Irrationality is the rejection of man's means of survival, and therefore a commitment to a course of blind destruction, that which is anti-mind is anti-life. So what does she mean by this? What she means is that you must accept the facts on every single situation. You may be able to ignore the facts, but you cannot affect the consequences. If you say, compromise your rationality on one thing, say, faith, you've accepted faith as being above rationality and reason on a specific subject, say, the nature of the universe. How do you know after you've given up a reason, you've given up rationality, that no other part of your life is going to be compromised by that one part, one slip that you've done. If you let into a part of your thinking a self-contradictory part, then it's going to compromise the whole of your thinking. So what does she mean by uh, saying that which is anti-mind is anti-life? So what she's saying is that if you do not believe man's ability reason is paramount and is uh, the ability to understand everything that there is about the universe, and you do not believe that man has the ability to be good, that they're somehow born with some sort of original sin, that there is no chance that man can be good on his own, of course you're going to think that man is un- uh, is not allowed to be happy. The second of these uh, virtues is honesty. So fooling yourself leaves unresolved contradictions, and fooling others puts your life in their hands. Now, what does that mean? I'll give you another quote from uh, the woman herself here. Honesty is a recognition of the fact that the unreal is unreal and can have no value, that neither love nor fame nor cash is a value if obtained by fraud, that an attempt to gain a value by perceiving the mind of others is an act of raising your victims to a position higher than reality, where you can become a pawn of their blindness, a slave of their non-thinking and their evasions. While their intelligence, their rationality, their perceptiveness become the enemies you have to dread and flee. That you do not care to live as a dependent, least of all dependent on the stupidity of others. Or as a fool whose source of values is the fools he succeeds in fooling. That honesty is not a social duty, not a sacrifice for the sake of others, but for the most profoundly selfish virtue man can practice. His refusal to sacrifice the reality of his own existence, the deluded consciousness of others. So what is she saying here? She's saying that if you're a rational being, you are going to c- care about the rationality and uh, the greatness of others as well. If you say a lie to people all the time, you're then a you're then trapped in their ignorance. 
as soon as they become aware of the facts, at that point, your life is no longer in your own hands. So number three is justice, treating those as they deserve. Now, I've got another quote from the woman herself. Since men are born tabula rasa, both cognitively and morally, a rational man regards strangers as innocent until proven guilty and grants them that initial goodwill in the name of their human potential. After that, he judges them accordingly to the moral character they have actualized. If he finds them guilty of major evils, his goodwill is replaced by contempt and moral condemnation. If one values human life, one cannot value its destroyers. If he finds them to be virtuous, he grants them personal, individual value and appreciation in proportion to their virtues. So she touches on a few things here. She talks about how everyone is innocent until proven guilty, and it's at the basic of uh, our judicial court system. And she talks about uh, individual value and appreciation, and this is um, sort of reflecting on uh, how I said that you need to build yourself and your, your own values and what you wish to achieve. And when we talk about values, we don't just talk about things you would like to achieve and uh, material objects you would like to obtain. And if we're talking about uh, other individuals of which you value as well, like you value... Um, your wife or a friend and if you have if say uh, your wife or your friend is uh ill or they're on hard times you're going to you know use uh say your money to be able to help them out because you value your friend or your wife over the money or the material possessions that you have so number four is integrity the consistency of thought into action got another quote from the woman herself the virtue involved in helping those one loves is not selflessness or sacrifice, but integrity. Integrity is loyalty to one's convictions and values. It is the policy of acting in accordance with one's values, of expressing, upholding, and translating them into practical reality. If a man professes to love a woman, yet his actions are indifferent, inimical, or damaging to her, it is his lack of integrity that makes him immoral. So when she talks about integrity, she's talking about putting into practice uh, what you believe and the values that you hold. So, like I said before, if you have money to be able to help your dying wife, you're going to use that money to help her, because it's not a sacrifice to uh, give some of your uh, material goods to help your wife, because you value your wife more than your material goods. And a, a another... Uh, example that uh, objectivists use a lot is the idea that if your wife is dying and you can help her but the same amount of money can be used to help uh, 10 other women that you do not know and you do not value which would you choose obviously to if, if you say sacrifice is what you must do uh, saving 10 women is m much more sacrificial than helping your wife because you value your wife if you're going to help your wife not die then you're not doing it out of a sense of uh, sacrifice, you're doing it selfishly because you value and you cherish your wife, but you do not value these other 10 women. That would be a great sacrifice to help the other 10 women, and I would see that as quite immoral. So number five is independence. No authority should be held over your own ability to reason. So what does she mean by that? So Ayn Rand put it as, independence is the recognition of the fact that yours is the responsibility of judgment and nothing can help you escape it. That no substitute can do your thinking, as no pinch hitter can live your life. That the vilest form of self-abasement and self-destruction is the subordination of your mind to the mind of another. The acceptance of an authority over your brain, the acceptance of his assertions as facts, his say-so as truth, his edicts as middleman between your consciousness and your existence. 
What she means by this is that your consciousness, your mind, and your body are one. No one can get in between those. If someone is trying to assert something and you know to be wrong, you cannot let anyone in between, no matter what level of authority they are on. That doesn't mean you can't accept anyone's authority on anything. Usually I'm going to rely on a doctor to be able to tell me what is best for me, though if I believe that is... uh, methodology of trying to figure out what is wrong for me is wrong, I'd go to another doctor and get a second opinion. But that's exactly what it is. If you have a, a reason to doubt something, then you must doubt it in trying to find the truth. So we're almost near the end, we're at number six, productiveness and the purpose of one's life. Productive work is the central purpose of a rational man's life. The central value that integrates and determines the hierarchy of all his other values. Reason is the source, the precondition of his productive work. Pride is the result. So we'll get into pride in a second, but what she means by this is that to be happy, you're going to need to want to work for something. You're going to want to achieve some sort of value, and without that, your life doesn't mean too much. This purpose of productive work is one of your central values, and it it is one of the things that completely links your total hierarchy of values. And the last one is pride, the ability to hold oneself as one's own highest value. The virtue of pride can best be described by the term moral ambitiousness. It means that one must earn the right to hold oneself as one's own highest value by achieving one's own moral perfection, which one achieves by never accepting any code of irrational virtues, impossible to practice and by never failing to practice the virtues one knows to be rational, by never accepting an unearned guilt and never earning any, or, if one has earned it, never leaving it uncorrected by never resigning oneself passively to any flaws in one's character, by never placing any concern which fear or mood of the moment above the reality of one's own self-esteem, and above all, it means one's rejection of the role of a sacrificial animal, the rejection of any doctrine that preaches self-immolation as a moral virtue or duty. What she's talking about here is that if you want to achieve happiness yourself, you must put yourself as your highest value, and if you end up trying to... uh, implement uh, irrational virtues, then that must be corrected for you to have the self-esteem to be able to keep yourself as your highest value. And then to not put yourself as your own highest value, that really has a knock to your own self-esteem and the ability to be able to achieve your own happiness. And lastly, she talks about the rejection of being a sacrificial animal. If anyone preaches to you that you must be a sacrificial animal, even though you know you are good and you mean well and you are a rational being with good virtues, to sacrifice yourself to others that if, if they're accepting your sacrifice, then they're not going to be sacrificing your sa- themselves so they must be immoral by their own means and by their own terms and by your own standards as a rational human being to sacrifice your highest virtue in yourself to uh, a lesser value. That is what sacrificing is. It's a higher value to a lesser value. And if you sacrifice yourself for a a, a lesser value or a non-value, then you cannot expect to be able to achieve your own happiness. So when I talk about rational egoism, what am I saying that it's opposed to? And I've, I've hinted it on previous slides, and that is altruism. So what is altruism now? Altruism is the sacrifice for the greater good, and altruists really just vary on what people should be sacrificing to, and uh, the, the greater good can be replaced with anything. It can be replaced with nation, it can be replaced by race, it can be replaced by religion, or a leader. And you can be looking at those examples now and think of many examples of people today that are saying who to sacrifice to and people in the past that have said that people must sacrifice to one of these um, categories. 
They say that the beneficiary of morality isn't the man who holds their values, but is the greater good that they talk about. To sacrifice your cries to trade a larger value for a smaller or non-value, which I, I mentioned before. This means that a man is encouraged to surrender or betray his own values. And that's why I say that altruism is, at the bottom here, antithetical to your own happiness, because if you put you, yourself as your highest value of which you should be able to have some sort of self-esteem, and you believe that you must sacrifice your highest values for lesser or non-values to be moral, then how can you ever think that you are ever going to be happy? So I've given a lot of quotes by Ayn Rand throughout this uh, presentation and video, and if you take anything from this, I'd love you to take this that I've written. Pursue a life worth living without the anxiety of the confusion brought on by the contradiction between the ethical guidelines of altruism and your desire to be happy. You cannot question why you aren't happy if you believe that the most desirable state is to be suffering. You cannot question why you aren't happy if you believe that your own personal happiness isn't an end in itself. And most importantly, you cannot question why you aren't happy if you don't believe that you are good and deserve happiness. And at that, I believe I have said everything I can on the virtues of rational self-interest. I hope you guys have enjoyed this video and uh, you leave some feedback. If you're an objectivist, please let me know if I've left anything out and I'll definitely make a follow-up video if I have left out, left out anything important. I am fairly new to objectivism over the last two months, so really these videos, what they're doing is trying to collate all the knowledge that I can uh, remember and put them into one video. And if there's a, a something within my um, my knowledge that I cannot uh, remember. I have a look online and try and find where I'm missing and then try and help collate it into a video to be able to have my understanding uh, broadened on, on the subject. And uh, overall, it's been making my life so much happier. The, the feeling of um, it, having a state of mind of non-contradiction is fantastic. Where before, before I start against philosophy, I definitely felt there was. I felt there was a part of my understanding that was not there, and uh, after getting to philosophy in the last couple of months, finding objectivism and really enjoying it, it's made my life feel so much better. And of course, if you're not an objectivist, please let me know what you are, what you object to, and I'll you know have some maybe frequently asked questions video where I cover what people. Uh, opinions on what I've been talking about are. So I hope you guys enjoyed this video. I certainly enjoyed making it and I shall see you in a bizzle.